0: Tulsa, happy Thursday. It is another episode of the show here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I am Colby Daniels, along with the 2023 Oklahoma Sportscaster of the Year, Jeremy Poplin. Scott File is on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. And we say hello to Dusty Dvorak, back from little vacay, little recharge of the batteries. Dusty, my friend, how are you on this Thursday?
1: Fantastic. Costa Rica was awesome. Uh, Pura Vida is what they all like to say, uh, living that uh, pure life. So it was uh, it was great, some zip lining, even took a little um, adventure to a waterfall that was awesome, and uh, a little R&R as well. I even got a little massage at the spa, so we did a little bit of everything, and it was uh, much needed. Uh, my wife really got this, she got the entire month of January. I mean, she got birthday party, And then she gets to go to Costa Rica, but uh, much deserved by her, much needed by me. So fired up to be back. And um, man, I'll tell you what, the sports world never sleeps because stuff in the National Football League, obviously. And then the huge news yesterday with Jim Harbaugh, that kind of rocks both the NFL and the college football world.
0: Before we jump into that, I do have to ask you, you mentioned your wife's birthday in January. So you have kind of a, a short period of time where you have to go from Christmas Two yeah. birthday, right? And then then Valentine's Day is right around the corner. So oh, no. it's no, no. <laughs> not this year. <laughs> not
1: this year. Ooh, she's I mean, I'll make a card, but yes. Yeah. There's yeah. and so for her growing up, I know where we you're going with that. Like she said that like it was always a big deal because kind of her birthday got lost in the shuffle of Christmas. So like we always try to make it a big deal for her birthday yeah. because, you know, obviously two different things, but We blew out the birthday this year, so Valentine's, I mean, that's just... That's going to have to wait till next year. Yeah.
0: Well, I I have a similar stretch because my wife's birthday is five days after Valentine's Day. Oh, boy. And then I think like 10 days later is... Or maybe 15 days later is our anniversary.
1: Oh, wow. So So in like
0: a three-week stretch, it's Valentine's Day, my wife's birthday anniversary.
1: Man. So you... At least you get January off, I guess, after Christmas. It's like a
0: a quick recharge and, and like, you know, reload the bank account.
1: And you can't, like, you can't just say, well, honey, I I hooked you up on Valentine's. Sorry, no birthday. Like, you still got to make the birthday special. And we all know, anniversary. I mean, yeah, you're screwed, man. I don't know what to tell you.
0: I mean, Valentine's Day is the one that that gets the shaft, essentially. Like, I'm not going all out on Valentine's Day. And if, if that's the weakest... Of of anything that I do, I, I feel like I'm in a good good spot, right? If I do Valentine's Day bigger than I do her birthday, oh. uh, I I that's yeah, I might as well uh, go. Cupid's not
1: Cupid's not as important as your wife. That's I right. Mean, come on, I that's mean right. let's let's not kid ourselves here. Well, then then you feel my pain, but uh, no, it was. It was. Uh, we had a great trip, uh, but awesome. I'm I've checked enough boxes for a little while. So, <laughs> uh, Cupid Zero, it, it might miss the Dvorak house this year, and it'll be back around next next year.
0: Well, jumping into the sports world, uh, Jim Harbaugh to the Los Angeles Chargers, and I'm I'm proud of myself for not saying San Diego. But you know, we joked, Dusty, the week of the the national championship, and whether there would be an official announcement by the time the confetti fell right in a post game celebration. That's that's how much of a shoe in that a lot of people felt like it it was going to be for Jim Harbaugh. And I guess my only question is what took so long in terms of him finally um, accepting a job. But in all reality, you know, I think with all the NCAA stuff and the fact that Michigan was going to lose a a lot of the key pieces from this team, I mean, it all kind of made sense that he was going to take that step.
1: I think there's a lot of factors here. Now I'll just say, I, I think that it takes two to tango and you go back to the 2021 season, the first year they beat Ohio state, they win the big 10, they lose to Georgia. I mean, he wanted to go to Minnesota. He thought he had the Minnesota job. They didn't offer it to him. If you remember, he took his interview on national signing day, which was, uh, I mean, beyond peculiar. <laughs> yeah. Then last year it was Denver. He, he thought that he was going to be the next Denver head coach and it was ultimately Sean Payton. So he's had a flirtation with the national football league for several years now. And I think that everything that, you know, you talked about with the multiple NCAA run-ins, the fact that they just had this three year run where you finish it off with the greatest season in, in program history, you reached a mountaintop. You've checked every box. There is to the check. And um, you know he's a Michigan man. He played for Bo Schimblecker. He ca- came back home to to he had a mission to complete a task, and he completed that task. And I think that I'm sure for him now he essentially feels like that's time to go hoist that Lombardi Trophy. Brothers done it. He beat me. He was so close, uh, yet he wasn't able to to win football's ultimate prize. And for a guy who played 15 years in the National Football League, never even made a Super Bowl as a quarterback. To have gotten back as a coach and only four year what in his was that his third year as, as head coach there in San Francisco. I think his first two went to the NFC championship third, he goes to the Super Bowl. Uh, to be that close and not be able to complete it, you knew that the the six-year-old coach it was something that that he wanted to do. And I just think that like the timing's perfect. I actually think it's it's worked out great that Minnesota didn't offer the job or Denver It allowed him to really probably go down as one of the most beloved Michigan Wolverines ever. Uh, his legacy is cemented now based off what they were able to do these past three years and, and especially this season, though it's marred in some controversy and discussion, at the end of the day, they won the national championship. They went 15-0, and 0, and he did that. When he took this program over, they were in bad shape. Uh, you know, they went through the rich rod era they went through the brady hoke era and it wasn't good and so for jim harbaugh to come back and be able to say i did exactly what i was supposed to do i I went back home and i took my program back to the top of the mountain in college football now it's time now i got bigger fish to fry now it's time to go handle something else that i want to achieve I, i totally get it and look the he's been very outspoken the landscape of college football there's a lot of things that just about every coach you talk to disagrees with, and I've talked to a lot of coaches that will say, you know what, if this is, if if this is the the lack of, uh, of of guardrails, this is the lack of of vision, exactly what this is. I'm just gonna go with the NFL because the NFL at least it's, you know exactly what you're getting yourself into. It's a, it's a it's a professional sport. The guys are paid. Everyone knows what's happening. Whereas in college right now, there's this gray area. And I think for all those reasons, plus the athletic director ward manual and Jim Harbaugh didn't get along very well. So it's like you start to add up all these little things. And oh, by the way, the Chargers are a great job. I mean, he's got elite players on defense. He's got a potential elite quarterback that's young and probably just needs him to be there and get him over that hump. Think about the quarterbacks that Jim Harbaugh has worked with, both in college and the National Football League. And how much more he's gotten out of just about every quarterback he's worked with. Clearly the guy is an outstanding football coach. And I just think that it makes sense all the way around uh, for Jim Harbaugh. And obviously you got to go through, uh, you got to go through Patrick Mahomes, which is no easy task, but I think it's a home run hire for LA. I think it makes all the sense to the world in Jim Harbaugh. And uh, just personally, I'm going to be a little sad because I cover college football so much more and I love the character that he is being involved in college football. But I totally get it. I understand it. And uh, obviously it's going to be fun to watch and see exactly how quickly he's able to get that Chargers football team uh, competing for a championship in the NFL.
0: We were talking yesterday about how the retirement of Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh, who just got his national championship, leaving the sport leaves three, a grand total of three head coaches right now in college football that, that have a national championship which is also a total of five, right? Two for Dabo, two for Kirby, and one for Mac. And that's it. That's the list. And, and I, I've seen a lot of people kind of hint to, I think, the idea that the lack of guardrails in college football is pushing some of these guys out of the game, and that the sport is going to suffer because all these great coaches are leaving. And look, I'm not here to say that, you know, losing a Nick Saban or a Jim Harbaugh in college football is a good thing but the reality is there are so many good coaches across the country that just aren't in a program that has the the tools right to be able to get to a national championship and and the reality is when one of those seats is vacated it just opens the door for a guy that's coaching at a program that doesn't have maybe the the financial backing and the tradition and history behind them to to, you know put together a, a team that can make a run so i don't look at it as you know there there aren't going to be any good coaches in college football no i hate the fact that you lose guys like jim harbaugh and, and nick saban in college football but in my mind that doesn't in any way curb the coaching talent
1: agree and look here's the reality it, it, and again it's easy to talk about but nick saban's 72 years old i mean maybe the guy just says you know what i don't want to go so hard anymore you know regardless of what's going on do i think that those that makes it potentially an easier decision sure how about the amount of money he's made I mean maybe he just wants to play some golf he loves the lake he's got grandkids and and for Jim Harbaugh like he left college football once already when none of this was going on (laughs) again like I mean he's a he's a football junkie and when you spend 15 years in the National Football League and you have the success that he did I want to say in the four years he was at San Francisco it's like 69.5% 69.5% winning percentage, which is the best winning percentage by any coach in the history of the national football league, small sample size, the more you coach, the more losses you'll accumulate. But he had crazy success. Isn't it natural that he's going to want to go back. And it's like, you know, especially in this profession, it is about leverage. He had all the leverage in the world. He held the charges over a barrel because he had Michigan willing to give him whatever he wanted at the 25th hour, make him the highest paid coach in the sport and essentially meet all of his demands. And then he's also got the chargers doing the same thing. They're going to make him one of the most well-paid coaches in the NFL, going to give him whatever control that he wants. And he's taken over a really good football team. Like it's easy. I think it's, we can point out as I did, you know, some of the, inadequacies of college football but let's not act like there are not people lined up that would love to coach in college football and like there aren't just a a laundry list of excellent coaches still in the sport so I think it's good that you point that out because it is accurate in these situations one Nick Saban the greatest coach of all time has been grinding and doing it for a long time okay maybe he just said I've had enough and for Jim Harbaugh again like he it's kind of a extraordinary circumstance not many coaches truly have the leverage and are in the situation that jim harbaugh found himself in and it's clear that i think with with his success both as a player as a coach his brother's success as a coach getting back in the nfl regardless of what was going on in college football was always going to be something he wanted to do a couple other things i was going to point out because you mentioned kirby dabble and matt also of the cfp three of the four that coached and are no longer at their school. Sark, the only one that remains, that's odd. That's insane. How about the fact that it, this is the first time ever that the reigning national championship winning head coach left to go to the NFL? That's interesting. And did you know the last time that a a coach that won a national championship stepped away and did not coach at their school the next season? The last time it happened, it was not for the NFL. It was for retirement. Can you name that man? Urban Meyer. No. Back further.
0: Back further. Yes. Won a national championship and then retired. In the nineties. Tom Osborne.
1: Tom Osborne. That's the last time that a coach that won a national championship left, you know, wasn't back at his school. So I don't want to act like this is commonplace. It is a little bit where a little bit rare but I think it's safe to say Jim Harbaugh is a rare breed of cat, man. There aren't many guys quite like him.
0: Well, and, and a lot of the greats, I mean, Saban stepped away from LSU for the NFL, right? After, after LSU, um, Pete Carroll did, did the thing at USC. They were, they were the biggest brand in college football at that point, right? And I know, again, the NCAA, I think, played a factor in him going to the NFL, but there's only 32 of those jobs, right? And if you have the opportunity to get one, it's always going to be something that I think is tempting, and, you know, some guys aren't going to take the bait and some guys are going to, maybe, you know, timing is always crucial as well. Is it the right time to take a job? You know, maybe you have a good thing going and you have a, a loaded team in college and you want to run it one more year and then maybe you're not the same candidate a year later. Or the job you want doesn't open a year later. You know, timing is so crucial. But yeah, I don't, I don't look at this as like there's some sort of epidemic uh, in college no. football. And, you know, Kalen DeBoer might be the next great coach that we're talking about, right? Uh, Sharon Moore might become that. And and who knows? Maybe that just opens the door for a coach that's in a, another position, like Sark or Ryan Day, to ultimately capitalize next year and and put their name right back into that conversation.
1: It's and Sharon Moore's the guy, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I I mean, it's, he's he's proven it. He's proven it as an assistant. You know, when when I mean they didn't have Harbaugh when,
0: for six games this year.
1: And they yeah, won a national
0: championship with Sharon Moore essentially.
1: He control. was for four games. He was the guy, uh, yeah. you know, that those first three use the UNLV and then obviously Penn state, Maryland and Ohio state, those, uh, those first three, they kind of split it up, but I think it spoke volumes that ultimately when it mattered the most, it was just your Moore, more. Like he was the guy. And, you know, I think it's interesting. Like you go back and you look at the hardball era after 2020 and really he had a lot of really good years. It was just 2020. That was the outlier. And he made a bunch of changes. He took the pay cut. He made changes. I think he, he made five different coaching changes, which isn't easy for any coach. And one of the changes he made was he moved Sharon Moore, who's been there six years now with him, and took him from tight ends coach to offensive line coach. And at the time, Michigan had a long-time, well-respected line coach. It was a pretty controversial move. And all Cherone Moore has done is have back-to-back Joe Moore award-winning offensive lines and probably should add a third straight. And then he takes over play calling duties and schematically the run game that they have and the different things uh, that they were able to, the position they're able to put JJ McCarthy in was fantastic. And then for him to step in, in those moments, and even though Harbaugh was there Sunday through Friday, and it was just Sharon Moore on game day, he had to make big decisions. You know, he had to make big decisions on the road in happy Valley, a banged up JJ McCarthy, it, against Maryland in a, in a dog fight and then ultimately to beat Ohio State to beat Ryan Day head to head like he's proven himself to me and I know he's 37 and I know he doesn't have a, a, a head coaching background and, and you could maybe go and I think Lance Leipold's great I think Chris Kleiman are great and they they probably do well there but I also don't know you know I've seen a lot of great head coaches that don't have head coaching experience Mike Gundy Bob Stoops, two right here in the state. They didn't have head coaching experience when they took over those jobs, and even Ryan Day at Ohio State. And I'd say it's pretty safe to say he's done a good job. And there's also Dabble head Kirby Smart, right? Absolutely. Look at look at even even the situation uh, with before Jim Harbaugh. Rich Rodriguez had all kinds of success. Didn't work out, you know. Uh, Brady Hoke had a lot of success. It just didn't work out. So there's no exact recipe and some coaches work in certain spots and some don't. I just Sharon Moore seems to me like a leader of men. He seems to me like a guy who's already been through the fire. He can further this momentum and the culture, the foundation that's been laid by Harbaugh. He wants to, is going to likely try to retain the strength conditioning coach, which will be huge. And I think that he'll be able to retain the bulk of that roster, which in today's world is very important as well. So uh, you could – could you go outside and hire a, a a more proven head coach? Sure. But I think Sharon Moore is the right guy, and I think it's why most people believe he's going to be the next head coach at Michigan. And then I think it's going to be fascinating, where does he go for defensive coordinator? Because more than likely, Jesse Minter is gone. Uh, because just like Mike McDonald – Who's probably going to be a head coach pretty soon? Who was at the Ravens and Jim called up his brother, grabbed him, brought him in for a year to be his D coordinator. Goes back to the Ravens and now he's getting all kinds of praise, which he should for that Ravens defense. Same with Jesse Minner. Jesse Minner was an assistant there in Baltimore, brought him over. He's been fantastic for two years, and he's going to, you know, more than likely he'll go with Harbaugh. And so that that defensive coordinator spot's going to be a big one to fill, but. Uh, I, I think that it is a very unique spot that Michigan finds themselves in because I don't know if we've ever seen an assistant be able to prove himself and what he would be able to do in that spot if given the opportunity the way that Sheryl Moore was able to do this season.
0: Yeah, there is, there is no doubt. And and the timing of all of it, I, I think, puts them in a spot where even if you were maybe somewhat unsure about Sherone Moore – the timing of all of this kind of points to you kind of ne- need to just name Sharon Moore, right. And keep things intact and keep recruiting classes intact. And don't, you know, don't, don't lose, you're already losing a lot. Don't lose even more in the process. Right. So, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. They, so they have a, the state of Michigan, I guess, has a seven days, the job has to be open. Like they can't hire. So what I would do, I'd be calling, if I'm Ward manual, I'd be calling a, a team meeting with Sharon Moore, Letting these players know we've got our guy. There's just a process that has to take place just to kind of, you know, alleviate any of those concerns that players might have. And you know, those Michigan players' phones and DMs—they're getting blown up right now from various schools. But I think that I think that those guys likely know and recognize exactly what's going on. And 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 you're right. Look, they—I mean—they got uh, Cortland Loveland coming back. They've got Donovan Edwards coming back. They've got Grant and Graham coming back on the inside of defensive tackle. You got Will Johnson, one of the best corners in the country. They have some pieces, but they're losing a ton. So it's not like it's just going to be a walk in the park and they're going to have no problems. And I'm sure you guys have talked about Ohio State. One thing Jim Harbaugh and this success has done, it has lit a fire in Columbus, Ohio with the big money donors because what they've done this offseason with Quinchon Judkins, Caleb Downs, getting Julian saying – from from Alabama and the way that they're loading up their roster for next season, and pretty much everyone not named Marvin Harrison Junior is coming back. Yeah, I mean Ohio State is they're pushing their chips to the middle of the table for next season, but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to see you know how how much stability they're able to keep uh, with Sharon Moore next season because there's gonna be a lot of new faces on that roster uh, in starting positions, but. I just don't think they're going to fall off a cliff. I just think that we should naturally expect them to take a bit of a step back.
0: Agreed. Dusty Dvorak is our guest via the Blitz hotline here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I'm uh, looking at these championship matchups this weekend, Dusty, in the NFL. And from a football perspective, I don't think that there is a possibility of getting a bad Super Bowl matchup. I like all of the possibilities, whether it's San Francisco versus either AFC team or Detroit versus either AFC team. I, I love every single possibility out there. Is there one that is most intriguing to you, though?
1: Um, if, most intriguing? I mean, I don't know if there's one that's more intriguing than the other. Like, I could, I could make a – I think the Lions is really intriguing just because it's the Lions. Right. I mean, oh. what Dan Campbell has done – is nothing short of amazing. I mean, you would talk about great coaching jobs, and for a guy who was kind of mocked from his introductory press conference, I think football guys like you and I loved it, but he was mocked by a lot of people. The biting the kneecaps, like he was a like a caricature, and how quickly it's all worked and come together for him to have. If he can get the Detroit Lions to the Super Bowl, I don't know if if that's what will rate the best but for me like intriguing storylines just for them to potentially be in that spot i think that would be off the charts um now i think that 49ers win the game um but i think that for me the lions and to see them go from one of the laughing stocks the national football league to if they made it to a super bowl that that fascinates the heck out of me and i Look, I I'm a, I like Patrick Mahomes. Um, I, I think that, you know, he's he's literally chasing Brady. I, we're watching, as Tom Brady stepped away a year ago, we're watching something that is, we've never seen before. Six straight AFC championship games and a chance for him to win his third already before the age of 30 years old. Like, I, at the same time, for Lamar Jackson, um, you know, and, and the Ravens, I could... I could try to sell you on that. I think the Ravens are probably the most complete football team going right now with what they have on defense, the balance they have on offense. They might be the best team. But if if you're asking me what storylines intrigue me the most, it's probably the Lions from where they've been historically, really what first playoff wins since 91 against our Cowboys yeah. when we were kids. Yeah. To now potentially in the Super Bowl. And then watching this run that Kansas City's on, and seeing if Patrick Mahomes can can chase down Tom Brady, I think for me those are the two most intriguing storylines. What about you?
0: Uh, that's the same matchup that I think is the most fun because Detroit's never been to one, right? Of the four teams, they've never been to a Super Bowl. They're kind of like the the Cubs of the NFL, right? I mean, it's before the Cubs won their World Series, it was kind of like everybody points and laughs at them every year, like, yeah, sure you think you have a chance but you know whatever try again next year uh and then you know Kansas City's kind of the gold standard right uh, of this era of the NFL and Patrick Mahomes and going for number 3 and yeah and, and that was also if you remember the first matchup of the NFL season on a yep. Thursday night um yep. so for that to come full circle that probably is the most intriguing matchup just all around i i think that from a football standpoint i mean San Francisco, San Francisco Baltimore th- those yeah. are the two most complete teams and that would be a fun matchup. And look, e- if San Francisco gets in either way for San Francisco, it's a Super Bowl rematch, right? the The Colin Kaepernick uh, San Francisco team lost to the Ravens in the Super Bowl and the and the uh, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, 49ers lost to the chiefs in the Super Bowl. So uh, for the 49ers it's a, it's a rematch either way. So I, I think there are interesting narratives no matter which way it ultimately goes
1: the the uh there there is and you could have easily made the case that the niners could have maybe should have won both those games um think about some of the overthrows jimmy g had think about the the non-pass interference call uh in the end zone between the harbaugh brothers Uh, and then that was the that was the quirky blackout yes remember that That was that was one of the nuttiest things in super bowl history it was like a 25 30 minute just hey we're just going to take a little time out and figure out what's going on with these lights it's only the Super Bowl right yeah it's only the Super Bowl Was watching speaking of watching um the numbers that came out from Saturday's Packers Niners game was like 42 million it was the most that have ever watched a divisional playoff game until the next day when 50 million people tuned in to watch Chiefs Bills like The NFL is just, it's on a whole nother level from anything else on this planet. It's crazy. And you could say it's, it's gambling or it's fantasy football. It's whatever you want to say. It is the amount of people that tune in to watch the NFL is absolutely nuts. I think college football and it's massive. 25 million people tuned in for the national championship game. That was half of what tuned in for a divisional matchup between the Bills and the Chiefs on Sunday evening. That's just absolutely crazy. So I can tell you this: regardless of what matchup we get, we're gonna be watching on Championship Sunday and they're gonna be watching on Super Bowl Sunday as well. One one sidebar that is another pretty good storyline. Can you imagine if you're Jack Harbaugh and his wife, if one son wins the national championship and then a month later the other son hoists a Lombardi trophy and wins a Super Bowl? You, we always talk about the Mannings as the first family I was about of to say football. Jack
0: Harbaugh and Archie Manning have to be the the proudest dads on planet Earth. At that point, I,
1: I mean, does it get any bigger or better than that? I mean, they've already watched their sons compete against each other in a Super Bowl. If they could watch in a about a, a five week period, one win a national championship, the other one a Super Bowl, it as uh, as Jack Harbaugh coined so famously. Who's got it better than us uh, as it relates to the Harbaugh's? Uh, I'd say nobody in the football world.
0: Well, maybe if it's Detroit, Kansas City, we get some sort of Taylor Swift, Eminem uh, music battle in the uh, in the two weeks leading up to the game.
1: By the way, is anybody enjoying life more than Jason Kelsey? How about that guy on Sunday in Buffalo? How good was that?
0: Knowing that he's not coming back to Philadelphia makes him so much more likable to me.
1: what i'm what i'm kind of wondering like is he gonna try to be a chief like obviously they're not gonna let go of the center that they have creed humphrey's excellent what he does i'm just starting to wonder if he wants to play with this because if you notice travis kelsey has kind of said i think he's got some i think he can still play he still is not retired officially right i'm just kind of wondering would he try to run it back one more time play that guard or something and try to play on his brother's team i don't know i just watching the way that he was having the time of his life up there, being a big time Chiefs fan kind of got me wondering like, what's really going on here with these Kelsey's? I
0: think you nailed it though. I think he's having the time of his life being a fan. And there's also a lot of speculation about Travis being done after this year. So
1: they can kind of do they, whatever they, they want. Maybe they both
0: ride off into the sunset and continue the podcast. And you know, they're obviously not going anywhere. They are, they are big time stars outside of the football world at this stage. So Yeah, who knows? Maybe they're tired of waking up sore every day.
1: More likable, Travis or Jason?
0: Well, now I I feel like I can say Jason. I mean, a month ago I would have said Travis for sure, but you know.
1: I think Jason Kelsey, I mean, it's he's a lineman, I'm a lineman, and I like Travis Kelsey, but boy, Jason Kelsey, even for a Philadelphia Eagle, he's he's a pretty cool cat.
0: He's he's a good dude for sure, and, and a lot of fun. All right, my friend, we will uh, catch up again tomorrow. We'll talk more about the playoff games, uh, maybe some Big 12 hoops, and uh, a lot of other things in the uh, in the sports news right now.
1: Sounds good, man. Talk to you then.
0: That is Dusty Dvorak joining us via the Blitz Hotline. I'm Colby Daniels along with Jeremy Poplin. We'll take a time out. You're listening to the Blitz 1170, and we are streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.